Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's the NBA Prospects Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. So many different things y'all could believe in, but y'all chose to believe in us. Rob Bruin, T. Rose, I'm back down close to New York City. I'm in Long Island, New York, back in the building. Feels good to be home. Troy, talk to me. What's good? I'm, I'm glad you made it home to your neck of the woods, man. I'm, I'm very sad and I'm disappointed that you will not be joining me at Syracuse next year. But, you know, I know my boy's still right there. He's not too far. He's down in Long Island. I know you'll pull up on me. Oh, that's a fact, man. And you know what? It's it's all on you this year, bro. You know what I'm saying? It's time for you to take over, you know, make a few mm-hmm. people nervous. And, mm-hmm. you know, show them what time it is. You you had a little bit of time to do what you needed to do with your family and for your body. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? You were physically fit and ready to get into your work, man. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what you're going to do this year up at Newhouse, too. It's a lot of work yeah, to be done, brother. Lot of work. What a lot, what a lot of people don't know is, you know, last year I had to medical leave my first semester at Syracuse. Mm-hmm. I was I, I was I was out living my hoop dreams with my good brother here, Robert Bruin. <laughs> That's a fact. And, you know, and, and we were at the wreck, and I, I thought I was Jordan for a second. Caught I caught the bounce the, pass. The bounce pass from Rob. I went to the rack. I tried to hop step, go up for the layup. And before you know it, I came down on someone's foot and I broke my ankle and my leg. So here we are. Fast forward in eight months, nine months later, I got a plate and eight screws in my ankle. But, uh, you know, little, little war wound. They never stopped nobody. So again... I'm going to be back at Syracuse, and I'm definitely going to shake the place up, man, for sure. Man, I'll be the first to admit, I did not believe that you really broke your ankle, bro. I remember telling <laughs> you, like, yo, bro, just just take it easy. Sit down for a minute. you like, nah, just, I can't, like, bro, why are you so fidgety? Just sit down for a minute. You're like, nah, bro, something not right. I look up, and you, you on your way out the gym, and I'm just like, damn. You know, man, I, remember, really I, I remember calling you from the hospital, man. I'm laying yeah. in the hospital bed. I'm like, man, they, they just brought these x-rays back here. It's a done deal, man. It's a done deal. Just snap that half. You got to pull up. Come school me. School hey, me. man. But shout out to my man, Rob, because through that whole process, he had my back. He looked out for me, made sure your boy got around, made sure I could maneuver a little bit. Shout out Sharif, Michelle, other people who was looking out throughout that process. So, man, long, long time coming, and we back, and it all starts right here on the Believe Podcast Network. It's a fact, bro. It's, it's all love, bro. It, it was my pleasure. I couldn't leave a brother behind because I don't know how I feel. I've never like really even physically hurt myself like that. So I can't mm-hmm. even tell you or understand how you felt. I just know how to be a good friend. So just wanted to keep you in the loop with everything and we lit, bro. We back in the building. That's why you my brother, man. Let's get into it. You know it. McCall Maker withdraws from the NBA draft. He's fully committed to Howard, you know, so that's going to be a huge thing. The NBA coaches of the year have finally came out. Mike Boldenhoser and Billy Donovan have finally racked in those awards. And we're going to give a couple of teams that you guys should look out for. And now that the AAU circuit is not happening, there's a lot of college commitments that are happening quickly. So we're going to break down those for you guys as well, too. So, Troy, tell me this. McCord Maker is fully out of the NBA draft. He's locked into Howard. We're going to see that man in D.C., suited up and ready to go in the fall what are we going to look forward to like what do we have to look forward to 
with with this man suiting up this year? Well, this is a big move for McCord Maker and for Howard University. I mean, I think it was a good decision for him to withdraw, give himself the, the opportunity to grow physically and mentally. And then again, it's great for the history that he's making by becoming the highest ranked player to commit to a HBCU. So I think mm-hmm. to to have all that in one and knowing what's at stake here, you know, the, how much anticipation – it is for him to join this HBCU at Howard and, and represent for the culture and to give himself the time to grow and develop. A lot of times these players tend to rush their decision on moving to the NBA. As you see, it's become, it becomes a one-stop shop when you talk about going to college and on to the professional level. And I think for him, I think this is going to be a great experience to allow him to, to nurture his game, to work on his weaknesses, and to potentially put himself in a position to be a higher draft pick next year. So I think it's a good move for uh, McCord Maker Stan at Howard, and I'm, I'm definitely excited to see what he's going to do and how he's going to change the face of college basketball joining his HBCU at Howard. Yeah, this is going to be huge. We, we've touched on this before, but – there was a lot of back and forth before because a lot of people were saying that he probably just committed to Howard and wasn't even really going to go now that he entered his name into the uh, 2020 draft at the time. But um, for him to make a statement like that, I always felt if you were going to commit to the school, you weren't just going to get us hyped up about you committing and not go. I always felt like he really was going to go. I think that would really take away from him making the commitment, you know, just to have it on paper. But to actually wear the Howard jersey is Mm -hmm. it puts him in a whole nother conversation now. Right. For me, that's that's your actions following up with your words. Right. So me just signing my name on the line. And saying I'm gonna go there but never suit up in the jersey, it's kind of like a hype beast type of thing. You know, you got everyone excited for no reason and never play. But now that we're gonna have the chance to see him in a Howard University jersey for a full year, that's gonna be mm-hmm. crazy to see as well, too. So very excited for McCorn Maker to make that move. And he's impacted the entire landscape of college basketball for years to come. So very happy to see that. Yeah, it's gonna be big. And again, we're still waiting to see what you're gonna do, Mikey Williams. Are you gonna join this? Man, we waiting. We waiting. You know, we we waiting to see what some of these other talents gonna do. It's still a lot of young talent out there uh, waiting mm-hmm. to commit. So who's who's to say? Uh, if if this HBCU trend can continue to prevail, then who knows? Who may be joining him at Howard or joining another HBCU? But that's to be continued. Unfortunately, we lost a four-star recruit this past weekend. His name is Fadante J.B. White, the 18-year-old, played at Santa Fe High School. And he was shot and killed Saturday morning, according to the Santa Fe County Sheriff's Office. J.B. was the most highly recruited basketball player since Nick Pino back in the early 1960s. And J.B. White's killer actually was a 16-year-old as well. His name is Estefan Montoya. He was arrested and charged with a first-degree murder. So J.B. White's his first, uh, his last year, excuse me, in high school, he averaged 20, 20 points and 10 boards. And during his sophomore year, he managed to will his team to the state finals for the first time in 41 years. And he was a commit to New Mexico State. So this is very alarming. It's It's a big... It's a sad thing to hear for the basketball community, I would say. And sorry to see that we lost one of our rising stars. Yeah, we definitely want to send our condolences to to the family and of the, the friends of uh, J.B. White. Um, it's, it's just such an unfortunate situation when you see someone this young and this talented be taken away so early. I think that it's a, it's a big loss for, for the basketball world. And just, just in general, to use, lose someone so young and so talented – I think that it's uh, it just shows that we have to continue to grow. We have to continue to educate. We have to continue to be there for one another. And we have to stop the violence that's 
continuing to arise and to take people who who don't deserve this they just just that simple they don't deserve this and i think that that's our duty that's our job to educate young to make sure that we stay on top of what we need to do to stop all this violence and i think we have to continue to be advocates for that and um again i want to send the condolences to jb white's his family his friends and i know this is a tough loss for uh new mexico state also absolutely and the saddest thing too is um just to give everyone a little bit more background he got shot at a party these type of situations are always when someone's like kind of having fun and recreational time in and he was a great kid like you know the regular story that we hear and um, yeah. our all of us we just need to be more careful especially the younger athletes when you have a lot at risk you know mm-hmm. you're a division one athlete not putting any pressure on him or say he did anything wrong but right. uh they have to be more cognizant and know that they can't do the same things that their friends do you know, if your friends mm-hmm. are party animals, there are some people that genuinely don't want to see you win. You know, that's just Man. how some people mm-hmm. are, you know, and these young athletes have to be very aware of that early because like me and you have spoke before. You can't they can't use Instagram the same way that their friends use Instagram because they're brands. Right. Correct. So just to all of the young athletes out there, be aware of your surroundings know that you have a lot at risk everyone life matters but you just have to be very aware of your situation right so that's that's really my spill on that and, and you have to understand too with success comes jealousy we're talking about a high-ranked athlete here someone who was committed mm-hmm. to go play division one basketball so as unfortunate as unfortunate as it is there's not everyone doesn't want to see you win or everyone literally do not everyone doesn't care about the path of success that you may be able to go down a lot of times that creates envy that creates hate and again i think that this becomes a situation where we just have to take a step back and and realize that violence is not the way to go and we have to continue to help one another and educate one another and we have to stop this violence that's going on here in this country yeah 100 percent, brother i agree with you the big 10 freshman of the year kofi cockburn withdrew from the 2020 nba draft as well those who don't know he played alongside cole anthony at oak hill he was a great addition to oak hill they had a great year and a great season while they played together as well and alongside him colorado point guard mckinley wright which was a solid point guard as well withdrew from the 2020 nba draft as well to lace up for his last ride for buff nation the colorado uh, buffalo they actually ended last year on 21 and 11 and he averaged about 14 points so it's going to be good to see what those two guys do in this upcoming season as they go and continue to help their programs just you know as they fight to push for that ncaa tournament next year yeah that is going to be great but two guys that withdrew from the draft that stood out to me would have to be one jared butler of baylor and remy martin of arizona state university mm-hmm. i think that's going to be great for jared butler to rejoin his team they're, the, the Baylor's actually a pretty good team. They're the second team in the Big 12. They're second behind Kansas, two games behind them, actually. He averaged about 16 points, three rebounds, three steals, so three assists, excuse me. So I think his attributes to that program is definitely going to be needed, and I think it's going to give him another time to, you know, to understand his strengths, his weaknesses. I, I read up on him, and he said that he did get an opportunity to talk to coaches and, and really, you know, develop a rapport with them where they kind of could tell him the things that he needed to work on, aspects that he could grow at. So I think that he's really taken that advice in stride, and now he's looking forward to going back and joining his team. And Remy Martin, uh, him joining Arizona State for his senior year, I think that that's going to be big. He's a, he's a talent. 
not to mention the talent that they just got got to commit Josh Christopher, who is mm-hmm. arguably Josh Chris, Josh Christopher, arguably the top ranked guard coming out this year. So I think that alongside Remy Martin, Josh Christopher, Alonzo Verge Jr., I think having those three at that program, I think that they're going to really make a push coming out of the Pac-12. So I'm, I'm eager to see these two guys rejoin their teams. And I also saw Michigan State Aaron Henry decided to withdraw from the draft. I think that that was a very smart move on his behalf. I don't think he was necessarily ready, still needed to grow a little bit mentally and physically, develop his game and kind of figure out what his niche is going to be. He's kind of, he's a great talent, very athletic and be explosive at times, but I think he struggles sometimes to, to be comfortable in his game and to know his role. So I think that uh, that's going to be good for him to return as well. I have a confession. When we talk about people going into the league um, and withdrawing as well, when Jason Tatum committed to going to the NBA draft, I didn't think he was ready. He had a good year at Duke. I don't have the stats in front of me right now, but he had a solid year. But something in his game, I really thought that he would have been better off staying another year. He didn't look like a one and done to me at all. But just to see that young man, I believe he's He's going into his third year now just to see him be an all-star last year, this this year actually, and just to see the impact that he's had on the Celtics has been amazing to see. So um, that just goes to show sometimes we're wrong about these players, you know? Sometimes their ceiling is way higher than we think or can see, and they ended up being way more of a standout than we think they're going to be. I agree. I would have to say – I thought the same thing about Trey Young when he was coming out of Oklahoma Yeah, State. me too. I, I did not believe in Trey Young at all, bro. I didn't. It was too I, early, I felt. And it wasn't that I didn't believe in him. I, I knew that he Still was, was very talented. Early. Very talented, very skilled. But I was just a little concerned how his game would transition from the college level mm-hmm. to the NBA level. It's, it's such a big difference. The defense is different. Your style of play has to shift a little bit, your aggressiveness. So I think that I was I was a little worried as far as how his game was going to convert to the NBA level. But as you can see, he's definitely proved us all wrong, that he's with 1,000% ready for the NBA as he's been playing and dominating at his level arguably become one of the top three, top five guards in the league in the last – he's only been in the league about two seasons. So to, to make that type of push that fast, I, he's, he's definitely silenced the critics. <laughs> it's not that, like you were saying, it's not that he wasn't talented to me. He averaged like 27 points. Correct. Uh, he went to Oklahoma, Alabama. Oklahoma. Yeah, he went to Oklahoma. And like he had the, not even the green light. He had the purple light at Oklahoma. Like he could shoot from wherever. He was stepping over half court, doing what he wanted to do. I just thought that the league was going to be way more physical for him, and that was going to have to make him adjust, like you were saying. But um, I guess maybe the fact that the NBA is a little bit softer now than how it was back in the day. Because back in the day, Dennis Rodman would have just threw him into the front stands or something like that, and that just would have been the end of that. They would have slowed him down. But, uh, yeah, he's silky smooth, bro. I can't, I can't knock him at all. Agreed. So we really pushed to understanding that since there's no AAU play really happening – this summer or not a lot that has pushed a lot of athletes to committing to college way earlier than they were supposed to uh read up on this new york times article and it talked about how i believe a young player he he actually is from here in long island his name is jordan riley he goes he went to he goes to brentwood high school and he committed to georgetown right on friday that just passed went up to georgetown looked at the school didn't even get to meet patrick ewing 
but just connecting with them through via Zoom and phone calls. And his father said that he was just receiving too many phone calls. And quote, he said he got 30 phone calls in a day and he just said it was too much. So that influenced him to make the decision quicker, right? So when we see all of these kids committing early, it's because they're not sure which way the programs are going to go. So we're saying that to say just not the coronavirus has really shifted where the um the recruitment for these schools and how quickly they have to recruit and who they need to grab. So it's just been amazing to see like seeing Amani Bates commit two years early. You know what I'm saying? That's right. not the norm. Usually we'll wait till junior year or the end of the senior year and to see them committing so early. Uh, the coronavirus has really had a heavy impact on that. Yeah, it has. I think uh, what a lot of people don't understand about AAU is AAU became the outlet at times, which became the pathway for some of these these talents to get scholarships. I know that high school ball. I know I know high school ball had become a level of exposure for them. But a lot of people don't realize is a lot of the coaches come watch these kids at their AAU games. Mm-hmm. You know, so that that a lot of the times waivers why now these kids are committing so early because you don't have that AAU time frame anymore to get that extra exposure, to get that extra time for them may have this school come watch you or have this, this college team come out and check you out. So with not having that exposure now from the AAU, it now puts you in a box where you have to say, where am I going now? You know what I mean? You have to kind of make a decision right now. And I think that I, me personally, I think that is good. I think that these kids should start committing a little bit earlier and not waiting to the last minute or just jumping on board. When oh, you feel like they day. should. Like this should be the I norm. Know. I mean, because the thing is, your mind can always change. Right. That's the thing. Like, it, it, like it, your mind can always change. You can, like you said, you don't, you didn't necessarily think Imani Bates would go to Michigan State and or stay at Michigan State. But me personally, I think that he is based on the love and the support that he's been mm-hmm. getting from that school over these years. So I think that yeah. that the, the earlier you commit, the longer it allows you to build your relationship and your rapport with the with that school and with those the, coaches yeah. before you get there. So okay. I think that that I think that that's great. You know what I mean? And I, I, I'm, I'm in support of it. But again, if, if kids would like to you know, wait till after AAU ball or after the season is up to give themselves that extra time, that extra exposure. I'm all for that too. Yeah. I I just think you make a great point. It's just me personally. I don't think Imani Bates is – I feel like he's too high caliber of a player. Not to say he shouldn't be there. He's earned it. But um, two years when he's looking at that, – that cap for the G League may increase. By the time he mm-hmm. get there, it could be 800000 with the way the NBA is pulling in money. It's, it's two years, right? So that 500000 can shoot up. And I don't think Imani Bates is going to give up 800000 or 700000 to suit up at Michigan State. But to your point, because he's cultivated that relationship, a man's, a man's word is all he has. So if he says he's going to go there, then I'm all for it. I, I think he should do it, you know? I, I'm 1,000% in that he will play and suit up at Michigan State. I don't think you. I don't think that you're gonna be, be able to put. Best, man. I don't think you could put a dollar amount. Best. I don't think you could put a dollar amount on that loyalty and that and that love yeah. between between Tom Izzo, Michigan State, and Imani Bates. I truly believe that kid is going to play at Michigan State in two years. Watch There's out! Something we'll we always have to remember is your thought process is always a little biased because oh, you I mean, went to Michigan State. So it be that way. It could be that. It could not be. But I know one thing. Imani Bates will be in East Lansing. I know that. Okay. Say less. You know what? If that's the case, we can mm-hmm. put up a bet right now. Here's the bet. Which one to bet? 
What you want to bet? Talk you, because I know you could get in the building. I know you have no problem getting there. But I'll mm-hmm. I'll buy me and you tickets personally to mm-hmm. go see him play if he goes. And if not, you gotta get you gotta get us tickets when he gets to the G League of the NBA. That's fair. I feel like that's, that's fair. That's fair. That's a bet. I feel that's like it's only right because with a mighty base going to Michigan State, you know what those tickets are gonna do. They're going all the way up. Mm-hmm. I mean, not to compare him to Zion, but he's box office. I mean, he's exciting. Yeah, he box office. He's box office for sure. You know what I mean? But in, so, in, in sports, two years is, is kind of a long time. Too. That's so a long gotta, time, bro. You know that. It is. You, know so you that's just got just, just to take it a season at a time, a year at a time. And in two years, when we, when we circle back on this conversation in our bet, I'm going I'm to I'm just love when you call me and say that you've already ordered the tickets or you're here, you got them, and we're heading to Lansing. I, I'll be waiting on that. Cause you know how we do, we we just get it done. You know, like before that, when that Lakers Clippers game was over, I didn't even text you. The money was in my it was in my account already. You know how that yeah, go? It was it was, it was in your it was in your account before the game was over. All right, <laughs> That's, you know how that go. Uh, so yeah, when we think about high school teams now and how high school basketball has developed, right? I don't really like the concept that these young players pairing up with each other to create young i don't like the super teams term but putting so much talent on one team high school is supposed to be a developmental stage so you don't need zaire wade ronnie james brandon boston uh bj boston um and amir bailey all on one team because now i feel like you're conditioning them to think that this is how it's supposed to be when you get to the nba Right. When we go back, back, back a little bit, um, you're a few years younger than me. But back in the NBA, early 90s, there were like two top dogs on the team. Some teams have one. Right. We could give you examples. We had Shaq and Kobe. Iverson was a one man band. Vince Carter was holding it down. It's, Vince Carter and AI used to damn near kill each other. Yeah, they did. Right. Damn it. That, that used to be like one of the craziest player friends to ever see. And we can even go back with uh, the Milwaukee Bucks when it was a. Uh, Ray Allen. That's Ray Allen with the fade. Jesus Shuttlesworth, mm-hmm. right? He had Glenn mm-hmm. Robinson, right? Jesus! And- <laughs> That's what I'm saying. So my point really is I don't understand why they're trying to develop so much talent. Like, space out the talent. Everybody put their team on their back. You know, everyone's going to develop. They're going to have their key players. But to have five of the top athletes in a certain class on one team, for what? Like that's taking to me. That's taken away from your game. I think I think that this is no different than us not liking super teams in the NBA. I True. think that it kind of it kind of bores you out. You you much rather see these young talents compete against each other than to play on the same team with each other. And again, I think that it is nice that they can't they can't pair up. They can't form these these dynasties at the high school level. But how are you going to be able to develop and play against the best? as an opponent, if all the best people are on your team. So right. I think that, I think if you, if you want to truly grow and you truly want to play against the best, then you, you guys can't all be pairing up and, and trying to make super teams or dynamic or dynamic, dynamic duos is okay at the high school. Yeah. Level. There's nothing wrong with two. Cause you, you need two strong people to win a championship. Anyway. Yeah. I, dynamic duos. I mean, that, that's something that, that could be argued, but forming Three, like four or five. Yeah, forming like all-star teams. I just think at the high school level, I much rather see these young talents like face off against each other. But again, if it works for them, then all for it. But I much rather see Zaire Wade and Bronny James face off 
didn't play together. But that's just oh, me. Oh yeah, I can't I can't knock that anymore. And I have to really uh, blame social media for this to some extent, you know, because that chip on their shoulder that they should have. I saw Bronny um, on the gram with Sharif O'Neal and and the younger brother, and there's nothing wrong with having a relationship, but like that chip on their shoulder that they would have, I feel like they're very friendly, very buddy buddy. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, yo, y'all are supposed to be not enemies, but like y'all are supposed to be preparing to battle against each other when this season comes up, like. That that and again, I, you could compare that to the NBA. Then when the guys do the jersey swap at the end of the game, like I feel like I that's know, a sign of respect, though. I like that. I, I mean, I do. But if this guy just gave me thirty, I don't want. His I don't jersey. want his jersey. No, nah, I feel that. I don't want his. I don't want his jersey. Nah, I feel then, you. I feel that too. Then you got the guys that that are like not even stars or at the end of the bench wanting to swap swap jerseys. Jersey. I'm yeah, like, look, bro. That really y'all are D Wade when D Wade started that, do, to. Do it in a tunnel. Do it in a tunnel. Do it after the game when y'all break bread. But if I just watched y'all go hard at each other for for forty eight plus minutes, I do not want to see you taking that. I don't want to see y'all swap the jerseys at the end. I, I want to see y'all walk. I want to see y'all walk off like Isaiah Thomas and the Bad Boys did against the Chicago Bulls. You feel me? Like I want you to walk off like I'm, I'm getting him next time. Like not all. Oh, well, he gave me thirty, but can can I get your can jersey? Can you sign my jersey? I don't want. I don't want to see that. I don't. But again. I have to agree with what you said. It is a sign of respect, and yeah. I can't, I can't take away that. I can't take away that. If you respect somebody enough to allow him to give you thirty and then take his jersey home, then hey, <laughs> you a different you. man but than me. Yeah. That, that is, that is respect, cause I, I ain't got that type of respect. <laughs> I'm, I'm just smack the jersey Get out, out your hand. <laughs> smack the jersey out your hand, oh, man. All man. That. This is true. So the NBA Coach of the Year, man, Mike Boldenhoser and Billy Donovan. They managed to pull it in neck and neck. It was almost a three-way tie with Nick Nurse as well. He was shot by one vote. That's tough. Mm. One, one vote. And that hurts. But Nick Nurse definitely is still in the conversation. They snubbed him, man. (laughs) They snubbed him. They could have thrown an extra paper vote in there for him. Look, man, come on, man. Look, the way all this voting and these ballots and all, you you don't know who to trust. It's crazy. You know what I mean? Y'all snub my mans, but no, big big shout to uh Mike Bodenhauser. He's been doing a terrific job with the Milwaukee Bucks. They have the the best overall NBA record with 53 wins, 13 losses, and they're first in the East. And shout out to Billy Donovan. He's definitely been able to make things happen down there in OKC after losing his top talents in Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant. Yeah. OKC they, looks good. OKC they, looks but they good. do look I'm not good. Lie. He's been Chris able Paul to Paul got them right. They they on the TV right now. Yeah. Okay, see, looks got, good. I came in front. They got Chris Paul. They have Dennis Schroeder. He just recently Shea Gilgis. The, uh, for the birth of his child. They still have the mm-hmm. big man, Steven Adams. So I think he's done a terrific job down at OKC. I know that they're still six in the West, 41 wins, 24 losses. But he's definitely making a push, and he's done a great job with, with holding it down and, and using the talent that he has, especially playing in a tough conference like the West. So big shout-out to both of those coaches. Those are well-deserved. So the Lakers and the Clippers, season opener. Back to me and mm. you again. Lakers, Clippers. Mm. We back here again, baby. We here. Right? Yeah, we here. It's, it was a great game. I'm not going to pull your leg. 103-101 Lakers. Paul George had 30-5. and five, 6 of 11 from 3. Kawhi had 28-4. and four. AD had 34-8. and eight. Bron 16-11. and 11. LeBron looked like he was in the league for 17 years. In that game, to me, 
That's how he looked. He looked like he was started off a little slow, and I think he's gonna he's gonna need a little bit of time to dust it off a little bit. He has to shake that rust off. Uh, he didn't look bad. He just wasn't in his best form. But then it's like you kind of have to look back at his greatness, and for us to say that he wasn't, or for me to say he wasn't in his best form, and for him to still have 16 and 11 when he's back in tip-top shape, we already know what he's giving us, easy 25 and 10, right? So my favorite part of the game, as I told you before, is Braun steps in. I believe he hit a three from the left wing or a jump shot, I believe it was, and then came down on the other end for the defensive switch Took Kawhi first, made him give the ball up, and then took PG. I thought that was sensational. You can't knock that. They say he shies away from the big moment, and he did it on both sides. Well, again, when we talk about LeBron, it's never it's never been a question on if he was going to do things defensively and or offensively. We know that he is just a true stud and it's a natural-born talent to be able to score at a prolific level but also to be terrific on defense, too. We've seen him make some of the best defensive plays in history. Actually, championship plays to on defense to win championships. So Absolutely. I've never questioned that. But one thing I've been able to learn and or watch is the Lakers do so much better when the offense is ran through Anthony Davis. And I think now the LeBron hmm. is starting to – figure that out, it allows him now to sit back a little bit on the offensive end and allows him to now get boards. It allows him to now dish out assists. It doesn't put as much pressure on him as it should be. When you have someone like Anthony Davis, who you saw in that game, had 34 points and eight rebounds, that if LeBron could take a load off a little bit and allow the offense to run through AD, I think that that will be the catalyst in which why this team will win a championship because it doesn't always have to be on LeBron. And then you have the help of your guys off the bench. Kyle Kuzma's been coming into a group. I saw he had 16 points in that game. Dwight mm-hmm. Howard, he, he kind of struggled so far as uh, what's been going on here. But Deion Waiters has been a good pickup. J.R. Smith has been a good pickup. So I think getting those guys into a groove alongside with the star-studded talent you have with AD and LeBron, I, I think that this team is on the path of a championship. But I do think that uh, when the offense is ran through AD, it flows so much better and it allows LeBron to take – take something off and not have that much pressure on him. And I think when I was able to be comfortable and to be in a form to where he can now not have to feel like he has to take over every moment of the game, then you see things flow a little bit naturally. And then you see them get victories like they did against the Clippers. But since we're on the subject of the Lakers, let's talk about the Lakers and the Raptors. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. One second, one second. Huh? You're going to get to huh? that. Hold huh? on, I got a little bit more to talk to you about. Okay, oh, okay, okay. Hold on. Sure, you know. Essentially, what you're telling me is that if the offense runs through Anthony Davis, they're a better team. Correct. That's what you're telling me? 1,000%. So you don't think that him and LeBron should both be on go at all times? You I mean, like LeBron gonna... should get going first and then LeBron starts well, up I as think... well? Well, it depends on if you're talking about scoring, if you're talking about getting points, I think that that should be led by Anthony Davis because LeBron can do so much more. LeBron is great at facilitating. He's a floor general. I think that he's great at spacing the floor, obviously, being able to control the pace. So I think that that's the lane that you allow LeBron to be in. And then you allow the scoring aspect come from Anthony Davis, who can dominate down low, under the basket, on the block, who can stretch the floor, play from the perimeter, who can face up and knock down the 15, 20-foot jump shot. So I think you allow his game to become 
become the forefront LeBron. of the offense and then allow LeBron to flow into it because LeBron is dominant. LeBron can go get a bucket whenever you need him to, but when you need that consistent flow of offense, I think Anthony Davis has shown that when it's ran through him and he is the leader, they win. You saw that the other night. Anthony Davis struggled. I think he only had seven points. They lost against the Raptors. So I think when you have him playing at a high level, I think that that then allows LeBron to now piggyback on his offensive game and, and, and flow a little bit better as far as distributing ball, rebounding, and getting other guys involved as well. Yeah, Anthony Davis sometimes, he falls in love with his jump shot too much for me. He's a great scorer. He can shoot. But I think sometimes he doesn't attack the basket enough first and then works his way out to the three-point line or to the free-throw line to get the jump shots going. But I think mm -hmm. what's really going to be crucial for the Lakers when we're talking about winning, Kyle Kuzma had 16, Deion Waiters had 11, and J.R. Smith had zero points. Those mm -hmm. three people, including Danny Green, though, between those four, that's like an easy 50 points off the bench that they can be mm -hmm. getting between those four guys. So me and you both know when it comes down to playoff basketball, the game slows down. And your role players are just as important as their star players because the role players need to do what they what they do best, what are their strong attributes. So those four players for me are really going to be the difference makers in the Lakers' success because LeBron is going to do what he's going to do. AD is going to be there. Yeah. And JaVale McGee just has to stay away from doing dumb shit and, and yeah. he'll be fine. I agree. I, I still believe in the Lakers. I still believe that they're going to win this year's championship, but I still feel like there's things that needed to be learned. And now you're able to learn and grow because you're now playing games. It's, it's easy to go through walkthroughs and practice and, and to see things. But once you guys are out there in a game setting and it's game time, it allows you to see what you need to work on, who you're comfortable playing with, who you need to form a better rapport with. And you've been able to see that. I've seen LeBron trust JaVale McGee a lot more this season than he Way did. more. Wait, or since the restart than he did prior to prior to the restart. He's but JaVel McGee has also grown. He's got a lot smarter. His IQ has grown. He, he tends to play at a steady pace. He doesn't fall too far out of his comfort zone as far as doing things that are not within his realm of doing. So I think that when you do things like that and when you continue to grow, now those star players now believe in you. So it's all, it's all a growing process. J.R. Smith, he's still trying to find a groove and get himself implemented. Deion Waiters, he's getting comfortable. He's been confidence is getting high. I've seen him taking some confidence. I see he loves to shoot shots. threes too. Yeah, he loves I've to shoot. Him. He loves it. Yeah, I've seen him be aggressive, get to the basket, take some shots, clutch shots down the stretch. Uh, obviously, he's still repping for Syracuse too. Go Orange. Yeah, yeah. So I think that uh, it's good. We're going to see how it all works out. But it's, it's still early in this process, and they still have time before the playoffs really get, get going. As crazy as things are now, too, with what happened with Deion Waiters, I have to say I would have loved to see him stay in Miami. He might have been a piece that would have brought it all together. When you look at Tyler Hero, Jimmy Butler, you don't think so? I don't. Too much? He, I think where he's at is what he needs to be. His best because I think, I think Dion at a point would have probably looked at it like I'm he the OG here. With Jimmy, yeah, with Jimmy Butler. Yeah, I'm yeah. the I'm the OG here, and you guys follow my lead. And Jimmy Butler being, not having that. Opposed to being on a team like the Lakers, where you're gonna have to find your role and fit fit into this puzzle. You know what I mean? Like being with the Lakers, you now have to fit in with LeBron because you know you're not going to come first to LeBron over LeBron. You know you're not going to come first over AD. So it allows him to now humble himself, uh, 
find his groove and figure out where he's best in that system. I think it wouldn't have worked being down in Miami with guys like Jimmy Butler, like you said, and, and the younger guys. I think him being with older, more mature season guys now allows him to have that mindset and to grow opposed to being with younger guys and trying to nurture and grow with them. So I think that uh, it's a great situation for him being in Los Angeles. Well said, my brother. All right, so you was excited to talk Lakers, Lakers Raptors. Go ahead, Troy. Go ahead. Talk to us about it. Kyle Lowry? Can, can, we, can we get that man a hand? 33 so, I'll points? I'll give him a slow clap. Oh, no, no, no. 33 oh, points, 14 rebounds, yeah. and six assists? Come on, man. AD, AD only had 14 points, six rebounds. Brian had a cool 20 and 10, but it was not enough for Kyle Lowry. And big shout-out to OG Adenobi, who had 23 points and had the tough task of guarding to LeBron James. You know, I, I think when, when we get into this topic of, of discussing teams on who we should be on the lookout for, I'm going Raptors in the East. And, and I, know you gotta, I know you still got to worry about Milwaukee. I know you still have to have your eyes open for Boston and Miami and Philly. But Toronto – they're forced to be reckoned with. And I feel like a lot of people sleep on them because they feel like, well, Kawhi's gone now. What are they going to do? But they, they, they're they setting the record straight and letting people know we were good before we got here. Don't sleep. And then you they see Pascal not. Siakam. They weren't? I don't agree. They, they were decent. They, they, they weren't decent. They were they decent. Were, Kawhi Leonard you, was the icing on the cake. They took them over the hump. You know this did, is did true. You, did you Before Nick Nurse was there, who, was who just got – no, they, they were struggling. How were they struggling? I mean, Dwayne Casey. Dwayne, come on, come on, come on. Dwayne Casey got head, got coach of the year for for coaching the Raptors. They were not terrible. They were actually a great team. They were a playoff team the year before Kawhi got there. Kawhi they became obvi- Kawhi obviously became the the catapult to get them over the hump and win a championship. But they didn't get they Kawhi didn't go join a team who who was not in playoff contention or was no, a, they a were. losing they team. Were. They, they were just they were a winning play, team, they were, bro. They were they were a winning team. They were a playoff winning team, and they had the coach of the year, Dwayne Casey. He left, went to the Pistons. They got Nick Nurse, who's been in the conversation of being coach of the year. They won a championship with Kawhi. He left. They're still on the pace of being in the playoffs this year. You can't tell me this team can't don't need to be watched out for, man. It, so this team is, it epitomizes what it is to be a team because every piece on that team is of value. When you talk about Kyle Lowry, when you talk about OG Adenobi, when you talk about Serge Ibaka, Mark Gasol, you know yeah. what I mean, Nor- Norman Powell. So every everyone has their role, and I feel like this this epitomizes what a team is because there's no one on that team that I could say is a star. I, I think Kyle Lowry is an all-star talent. I think he's great, but I think he's not as good as he's he not a superstar. Without those other pieces around him, so I think that they epitomize what it is to actually be a team, and and to really put all the pieces put all the pieces together to form something good. And I'm I'm just excited to see what they're going to do uh, making this playoff push. Sure, they they were a good team. I'm not saying that, mm-hmm. but they just kept on running into LeBron every year. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Demar Derozan just couldn't get it done. You see what I'm saying? So. I when I think about the Raptors, I think of a team that just wasn't good enough. I they they are a well-rounded team, but having all of those pieces, I don't think is enough for them to win. They just became a winning team last year, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Like getting to 
the Eastern Conference Finals and get into the second round of the um the playoffs, it's to me, semifinals, it's just not enough. You see what I'm saying? DeMar DeRozan, he's a good player, but I don't I don't know what it was with his style of play. Him and Kyle Lowry have a great relationship. I had a great, mm-hmm. great relationship. And those two together, I just think, couldn't get it done because he didn't have the dog mentality. Like, Kawhi Leonard just came in and meant business. Like, you immediately saw the difference in the team. All of the pieces were the same. Van Fleet was there. Siakam was there. Everybody was there. A can couple I, can of I tell, minor can, adjustments. Can, can I tell you the difference? Can I tell you Nick the difference? Nick Nurse was there, too. Can I tell you the difference? Championship experience. Yeah. Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard had already had two championships in a finals MVP before he got to Toronto. So that was the missing piece that they didn't have. DeMar DeRozan, yes, he was a No, nah, he had player. he had one chip. One chip. Ooh. Kawhi had one before Toronto. Okay, so he had one before Toronto and yeah. a finals MVP. I stand corrected. But again, he still had player, he still had championship experience. He did, he did. And that makes so, a difference. So and that makes a difference. So I think having a good team. And then putting a superstar with championship talent on that team, I think that it, that's just a recipe for something great. And we saw that last year with uh, t- the Toronto Raptors winning their first ever championship. So I think that that was the only difference, you know, him being able to have that mindset and to be clutch down the stretch or to have the confidence to take big shots on big moments. I think that that was the difference when you talk about Kawhi Leonard being in Toronto opposed to DeMar DeRozan. And again, I think it all worked out how it was supposed to. Kawhi went there. He led the team. He did what he needed to do. He surpassed. He's now moved on to the Clippers. But again, we still see the Toronto Raptors doing well. So I'm just looking forward to see what they're going to be able to do uh, as the season progresses and uh, as we get closer to the playoffs. Celtics Blazers. 128, 124. Biggest mm-hmm. lead of the game. Celtics had them down by 24. Mm-hmm. I'm a huge Celtics fan. I don't know what the Celtics were doing, <laughs> how they blew that lead. Mm-hmm. But Dame is my favorite player right now. And that man means business. Like, I believe, damn, I wish I had the stat in front of me. I think he had like five or seven points in the first half and just shot up like 20, 23 points in, in the second half. It mm-hmm. was finished, finished with 30. He finished strong. He fit, yeah, he did finish with 30. Jason Tatum got hot early, but Jalen Brown brought him home. So Tatum had 34 and 8. Jalen mm-hmm. Brown had 3.6 boards. Uh, Gordon Hayward slipped in there and gave him a, a quiet 22, mm-hmm. right? So I think the Celtics need to do a better job of playing defensively. Um, they can't continue to let teams back into games like that. Being, I mean, we know you always have that huge lead that happens early in the game sometimes, and then the game mm-hmm. just gets tighter down the line. That that does happen, right. but there's no way you lose a 24-point lead and only win by four. Or maybe that just right. speaks to how good the Blazers played. But um, mm-hmm. I just think they need to do a better job defensively. And Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, the Celtics have a huge leisure of having both of them on the team. Because mm-hmm. when you're not getting one thing from another, you get it from the other one. And when you have both of them on, I think they had a huge uh, stat that said when Jalen Brown wins, I mean, scores over 25 points, they don't lose. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe that's what the stat was. So, yeah, I think it's a huge deal that they have both of them because they can interchange of using both of them. So, and I agree. But I have to ask you the question because I did hear you say that Damian Lillard is your favorite player. He's the best so, point guard in the league, too. So what do you feel about him not taking the three 
to tie the game and instead passing it to Nurkic for the two for the layup and them being down one opposed to Dame being Dame going Dame time and taking the three mm-hmm. to tie the game. How do you feel about that? I thought it was a bad decision. I think that maybe they were thinking score first, which is what they did, and then they didn't foul after. But Dame usually takes that shot. I'm not sure why he did that. I'm not sure if that was a coach's decision where he said, go in and just give me a bucket real quick, foul, and then we get it back. I'm not sure if they had any more fouls to give um, left on the board. But it was a bad decision to answer your question because Damian Lillard is their guy um, playing along C.J. McCollum, and Dame has to take that shot. Not to mention he was dropping threes all quarter and the quarter before that. He was going crazy, literally. So, Dame, you don't leave that moment and not take that shot. Why? Because we feel better with you missing that shot with the game on the line. You're our man. You have to take that shot. And I would agree. I feel like this is a position we've seen him in before, and I feel like this is a position we've seen him prevail in before. So I Mm -hmm. think that with the skill set and the confidence that Damian Lillard has, I think you have to come off the screen and take that shot. I think that it was it, 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 it was smart. To you know, get the quick that was a bucket. LeBron. That was a LeBron it, pass. You know, it, 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 yeah, it was. You know what I mean. And it, it was, was open. He was he was wide open. It so was. you you can't say it was it was a bad decision. But you can all you can but always argue. You can always argue that I much rather Dame have taken that shot and us went for it all than to lose on a layup. At one point, that, like that, that sense that essentially didn't didn't put us back in the game anyway. So exactly. I think exactly. So I, I much rather see Dame come off and take that shot. But again, I'm sure that he's kicking himself in the butt about not taking mm-hmm. that shot. And I'm sure if that opportunity presents itself again, he's taking we won't it. have to worry. We won't worry. We have to worry about what he's going to do. We know. Trust me. And what I have to say about Dame, too, as well, with him being my favorite uh, player in the league right now, my biggest thing with him is I don't believe that he makes people around him better. He's a go-getter. Like, like we talked before, he's one of those silent leaders. He comes in, he's going to give you a hot 30. And he's going mm-hmm. home. But he had 16 assists on Sunday. I yeah, thought that that was huge. He got everybody involved. Huge shout out to him on that. And I can't expect Dame to average 16 assists every game. It would be great. But I think he needs to keep that same mentality because if Dame has 30 and he's dished off 15 assists, which we can say at minimum would have been at least 30 points, which means other people around him are hot now. It helps him in the end if he needs somebody to knock down a big shot for him, right? So Dame needs to continue to get his teammates involved and uh, continue to be the superstar he is because he has Portland on the map. Even though right now they're out of the playoff position by like two and a half games, they can't afford to lose any more games as well. Yeah, and they, and they have a tough schedule moving forward. And I think that mm-hmm. he just has to, he has to, he has to learn to not settle. I feel like he settled a lot in that game. Out of 20 shots, 14 of those were three-pointers. I think yeah. that he, he is, loved that three ball. He loves it. He's a dog at getting to the basket, finishing with contact, finishing with acrobatic finishes. I think that he, he, he's great getting to the basket. So I want to see him do that a little more. bit more, you know, more. and not settle so much for the three ball. Because if he does that, I think they come out victorious in this, in this win. Because Boston did give up a big lead. And for them to come that far, I feel like if he's a little bit more aggressive on attacking the basket, they win. I agree 100%. Jonathan Isaac, unfortunately, the forward off mm. of the Orlando Magic, happens to uh, tear his ACL after, like, really battling injury before that as well in terms mm. of his knee. Uh, we see a lot of people saying, you know, some funny things about him because he's been standing up 
for the um, national anthem. And just a huge shout out to Jonathan Isaac. We wish you a speedy recovery. Uh, he's been bowling. He's been doing his thing, you know, assistant Aaron Gordon and putting Markel Fultz on a Mac Q. Shout out to him. Knocked down that deep. That wasn't even a half court shot. That shit was like... <laughs> He it was like 40 feet. Line on the yeah, was the yeah, he did. Yeah. Um, yeah, huge shout out to Jonathan Isaac. Hope that he gets better. And um, yeah, that's that's going to be a season ender injury for sure. And um, that's it's going to be a tough road that he has to embark upon now. Yeah, definitely want to send a huge shout out to Jonathan Isaac. We hope for a speedy recovery. It's never, and I've never experienced this, but just based on what we've seen in the league, it's never a pleasant injury to tear an ACL and it's definitely always a tough recovery going through, you know, getting yourself back, going through rehab. And one thing I want to acknowledge is I, I hate the stigmatism of what people are saying on social media as if he deserved this because he's choosing to stand for the national anthem. Like everyone has their own opinion. Everyone has their own right and everyone has their own reasoning. And I think that if he chooses to stand for the national anthem, if he chooses to voice his opinion in whichever way he can, that's his right. So please stop the stigmatism that this man deserved this injury because no one deserves no one deserves that in no way, shape, or form. So we want to wish Jonathan Isaac a speedy recovery. Hopefully he'll be back soon. That's that's just a real nasty thing for people to do to wish that type of injury or pain on any human. You know, because like right. you were just saying, no one deserves that. But we're all human. We all have rights at the end of the day. And there's so many different ways to get to a to, to get to outcomes. You know, like you do things a certain way, and I can do it too, right? As long as we have the same goal in mind, then there's there's nothing wrong with that. And uh, I think we just need to all do a better job of just respecting each other, because that's that's the most important thing. So, huge shout out to him again, Troy. I just yep. need need you to tell me, man, what's what's on your mind, man. Man, a lot of things, a lot of things that you got. I got a lot of things, but uh, I want I, I want to I talk about <sighs> the beautiful, the talented Meg the Stallion. Yes, she, I want I want I want to talk about Meg. Let's talk uh, about talk, Meg, man. I I know we we she recently came out and, and spoke about the incident, which resulted in her being shot in both of her feet, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, it, it was an emotional, it was an emotional moment for her you know she she cried and you know I think it's been a lot for her because a lot of people have said negative things and one one thing you have to realize is when when you're down there's going to be people that's going to try to kick you and I think that this was one of her lowest moments since you know growing so fast with her stardom and I think it was great to see her open up and you know talk about that moment because for some people that that's a very very traumatic experience to be shot you know and for her to be shot and to now be recovering and still, you know, want to maneuver and be a star. But I'm sure she has to now move with a lot more precaution. You know, I'm pretty sure her demeanor is a little bit different around certain people, you know, because of how they, how she has to move now. So I think it was great for her to, you know, speak up on that. And again, we want to wish her, you know, a, a speedy recovery because uh, that's, that's an unfortunate situation. And uh, especially, you know, someone allegedly, you know, being shot by someone who you would consider to be a friend. First off, I want to say, Meg, I love you, but <laughs> I, <laughs> we, we we love you. We love you, Meg. Uh, we both love you, but I can't follow you on Instagram because when I see you at 9 a.m. twerking, it makes my heart skip a beat. But I love you dearly, and I'm so sorry about what happened to you. I think as black men, we also need to do a better job of guarding our women 
You know what I'm saying? I saw no shot to 50, but I saw 50 uh, post that he didn't know that he hurt her feelings like that. And he was just reposting what happened. But that's just it's it's distasteful. It's it's not that's not a good move. You know what I and, mean? And for, and for 50, someone who's been a victim of gun violence, you should it's know just, that that's it not, looks bad. You, should, you, you should, know, you should know. You should know that that's you not know funny. What? You know, you know that. And, because um, you, 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 you lucky social media wasn't around when your incident happened. Because I'm sure yeah. you would have not liked to see people crack jokes or make fun of something that could have probably cost you your life. So yeah, especially I think that, being shot nine times, like that's not a joke. Mm-hmm. Being shot any amount of times is not a joke. And um, mm-hmm. goes back to what we were saying. We all deserve respect. There's a time to play, and there's a time, you know, to be serious about things and. The meme that he posted, if uh, people really paid attention to, was, um, what was it, Boys in the Hood, I believe it was, when Ricky got shot in the alley. That was just a sad part in the movie anyway, seeing Morris Mm -hmm. Chestnut go down like that. You know what I'm saying? He was supposed to go to the Mm. league. He was going to college to play football. And it just, it was a bad look. So, you know, no hate towards 50. But I just think as black men, we need to guard our queens better, prop them up, be there for them, support them. You know what I mean? And just be there when they need us. You know what I'm saying? Because it's important that we do that for them because they have a lot to deal with themselves on a on a day-to-day basis. You know, Meg, if, if you need anybody to, you know, rub your feet or, you know, <laughs> do anything, you know, just just let us know, man. Just a, one little, of, one two a little foot rub because I'm you know, a One or two of, of us will be there. I'm not. I'll but be for, I'm not. But for Meg, I'm, I might do it. Not, not For Meg, I'm doing it. You know, you all that, you know, me and Troy can come through whatever y'all need. We'll cook everything, mm-hmm. whatever y'all no, no, need. You, you, you'll cook. I'll, I'll cook. You know, I'll cook. You'll I'll cook. cook. You know, me, I'm a, I'm a, I might order us some grub or take it to a nice spot or something like that. You know, I'm, okay. I'm still working on, my, I'm still working on my cooking skills. I ain't going to cap back like I got it all together. I feel that. Yo, so The Rock made a big purchase this weekend. What he bought? The XFL. Must be. Dwayne, The, 15 the Rock, Johnson. Alongside a business partner of his, bought the XFL for $15 million. They split the deal down the middle between the two of them. And I think this is a great deal, especially for a business that was looking to auction off, you know, due to bankruptcy. So I think this is a big deal. And it just goes to show The Rock got his hands in everything. He's done everything. He got his hands in everything. And it and I think it just goes to show how he's continuing to grow and transition so far. Everything he does. So far past being a wrestler, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think that, that that's great. And I know that he does have a love for football. A lot of people don't know that he actually played football. He played at the at U. The, at the he University of Miami. Exactly. So, mm-hmm. you know, this, this is this is a love of his. So I think that it's great to, for him to put his money where his mouth is. And I'm looking forward to see what, what he's going to be able to do and how he's going to turn it around because the XFL has a lot of potential. You know, it has a lot of young talent coming out of there. So I think if you got the right people – putting in the right money, time, and energy into it, it could prosper. So I'm looking forward to seeing what The Rock's going to do now with this XFL. Yeah, that's huge, too. I remember uh, The Rock in, in, in The Scorpion. The <laughs> Rock says. The Rock says. And just to see where he's at now is, is, is crazy. You know, like, he's, a, he's the face of the Fast and the Furious now. It's, it's just mm-hmm. wild to see his whole career and all of the different Jumanjis he's made with Kevin Hart. He He's... He's done well, man. I can't knock and, that. It's been a pleasure to watch him work. And I used to love wrestling, man. The Rock still has the all-time best intro outside of, like, 
Undertaker, <laughs> Kane, Rey Mysterio, just to do, name a few. You know, The Rock says, The Rock, doom, doom. My man, The Rock, man, The Rock used to have me turned up. I ain't going to lie to you. But Especially with commit. the eyebrow, too. Yeah, man, I'll, I'll still be trying to do it. You feel me? But <laughs> shout out to The Rock, man. He's he's doing his thing, and I, I'm proud of him for continuing to grow and to put his put his business in a, a lot of different avenues. We can act. You know, we got a little XFL team over here. Mm-hmm. You know, he just he just he just – He's not going to stop. And I'm glad to, to watch this process and to see him continue to make this transition and grow. And so tell me what – I need, I, need, I need his workout plan, too. I ain't going to lie. I, I need his workout bro, plan. His workout you plan know. to have you out here with no neck. Yeah, I need, you out I, here looking crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I, need, I need his workout plan. Dog. I'm trying to lose a few. So, you know, whatever you want, Rock, if it's natural. You know, I know a lot of people like to say they allegations. Boy said if it's natural. You know, a lot of people say the allegations, but I need to get I need to I need to get a few off of me too. So I need to look into what he doing. Did uh Kylie Jenner rent out a little mm-hmm. spot cause your boy D Book was playing bowl or something like that? What's, what's what's the scoop on that? See look, see this is the thing. I know they sisters, but you mm. gotta get the name right. It's Kendall. I'm so you sorry. You can't you can't you can't offend Travis now, you know what I mean? You know, if they two different you, people, Kyle, it's yeah, so many you, of them. I'm sorry. Yeah. But no, Kendall so we talking Jenner. Kendall. Kendall. We talking okay. Kendall. That's, that's the model model, the Slim Jones. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Kendall Jenner rents out an entire sports bar to watch her boyfriend, Devin Booker, and the Phoenix Suns. Oh, they together now? I mean, she ain't, she ain't doing it just because just she want to watch basketball. Um, I'm, I'm oh, sure she ain't. That's what you D-Book, D-Book got to be careful. Mm. I think I think he's I think he's smart enough, and I think he know the game. I think I think he know the game. So no, the book is on the but, incline of his career. But how much how much love do you have to have for someone to rent out an entire sports bar to watch your man and his team, a team that's not that good and probably won't be in the playoffs? <laughs> but to to just, just that in itself, that that's a true that's a true testament. That's love. That, that, that's real that, love. That's love that you that's love that you care. You know what I mean? To support me and my sorry team, that that's great. It's love. But she had the money to do it, you know. I feel like that—that's that's the true. type of thing. That's that's the type of thing that. Come on, Troy. If you had Kardashian money, it's it's nothing for you to rent that out for. For you know, all my yeah, girls playing, I could go do that. It's, it's it's a regular night out on the town. Everybody drinking mm-hmm. and eating. You was going to spend that money anyway. I'm not playing down what she did. I'm just saying it was nothing for her to do to get it done. I mean, sometimes when people invest, when people invest their time, money. And energy, it has to always be commended because those are two. Those are some things that you you have to want to give your time, your money, I agree. and your energy. So for her to do that, I commend. So her. it's the thought that counts. It's the thought that counts. Hundred percent. I can't knock that. Mm-hmm. Come on, it's the come NBA on, man. prospects on the Believe <laughs> Podcast Network. I'm yeah, T <laughs> Rose is in the building. We appreciate y'all tuning in. Just to give y'all a quick scoop, y'all know we're on all streaming podcast platforms. So y'all mm. tune in, pick your poison. Next Monday, we be back in the building. Shout out my guy, Rob. And we want to thank you guys and continue to be believers. We'll be back at y'all next week, Monday. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V 
on YouTube.